I am what I am, and that's this gun in my hand. quiet docks outside Parabellum City this morning. Quiet because the only three people there were a corpse, the man who had found it, and Falk Ziljan, unpronounceable hero by virtue of the fact that he carries a gun. I assure you I had nothing to do with this man's death. I arrived only a moment before you. I saw you walking up just before I did, but you could have killed him, walked away, and then walked back. Accusing the last person seen with the victim is lazy police work, Mr. Falk Ziljan. My name is Jay Wellington. I agree, Mr. Wellington. It is lazy police work if they rest on that assumption and don't find evidence to back it up. But statistics bear it out. A lot of times the killer ends up being the last person seen with the victim. Do the statistics work out that way naturally, or because so many lazy police abandoned the search after deciding the killer was the last person with the victim, which would skew the statistics that they gather? I don't know. Did you touch the body? No. It looks like there's something wrong with his eyes. How can you tell? They're both closed. Right, but one's closed like normal, and the other one is squinting. There's more wrinkles on that side, like he squinted habitually. His eye had been injured? Sure, why didn't I think of it sooner? This man might have been a victim of the notorious Moses Eugene Teef. Who? They call him Mo for short. He has a twisted desire to blind people. Known to the criminal underworld as Injury to the Eye Mo Teef. Perhaps the killer or some later thief removed his eye patch when they removed his shirt. That's possible, but the shirt's still laying here. Or perhaps he had taken off his own shirt, holding it in his hand as he strolled. It's too cold this time of year to walk around shirtless. Well, I am not a policeman by profession. These are just ideas that occur to me. Maybe the eye thing is a congenital deformity. I've never seen a normal person with a chin protruding like that. Perhaps he contracted the disease from all his years at sea. What makes you think he's a sailor? There are several indications that he lives by the sea. Firstly, the tar flap on the back of his shirt. Second, the anchors tattooed on his grotesquely swollen forearms. I suppose you're right. Plus these crushed spinach cans all around him. Spinach is high in vitamin C, so it prevents scurvy. We might find some form of identification in his pockets. But there's nothing in his sailor shirt. No wallet in his pants. Here, I found a photo. It appears to be a preening young round-faced woman with dark hair in a tight bun. My God, she's thinner than Edward James Almost's tie on Miami Vice. I have no frame of reference for that illusion. Sorry, I don't know what I was thinking. Look here, there's a corncob pipe lying near his head. Whatever that is in the bowl of the pipe, it's not tobacco. That, sir, is spinach. Why would anyone smoke spinach? Everybody says dried banana peels are hallucinogenic, but if that was true, it would be more popular. It's not even dried spinach, it's still damp. Is that a metal liner of some kind inside the bowl of his pipe? I've never seen anything like it. It's fragments of a tin can. You can still read part of the label. It says, pop something. What if the killer was leaving a clue? I have another theory. Hear me out, this may seem absurd. What if this sailor man was drawing on his pipe so forcefully that he was able to pull a can of spinach into it, ingesting the spinach through his pipe? And sucking in the can along with it? That doesn't make sense. There are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. It's pronounced Falk. I've heard people mangle my name a million ways, but never like that. And here's the clue that tells us the identity of the killer. What clue? What do you see? 
this frying pan on the edge of the pier. It's formed in the exact shape of the face of a known ruffian from these parts, another sailor who goes by the name Bluto or Brutus. He's been known to wear a turban and pass himself off as Middle Eastern on occasion, and quite unconvincingly. I contend that this sailor was trying to defend himself, struck Bluto in the face with the frying pan, but was later struck down himself by a terrible blow. Should we shoo away these little birds that keep circling his head? I guess they're not pecking at him. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Hyperbole. Times are tough. If your business has been struggling, you can boost your profits 20%, 80%, even 200% using Hyperbole. Why, just yesterday I made the greatest sale of my lifetime. Dad, you didn't sell anything yesterday. The guy at the Chamber of Commerce said he wouldn't hire you to do narration. Yes, and then what happened? We walked out. No, what happened just before we walked out? I didn't think you'd want to mention that. Go ahead. Well, you kept bugging him, so he said maybe you're more of a visual learner. He took your pencil and wrote, Get out, on a piece of paper for you. Then he threw his cigar stub at you and we left. Exactly. I gained a cigar. That's not a sale. But I profited from the trade. That pencil cost me nothing. I found it on the ground. And yet I came away with a cigar that still had five good puffs in it. My skills as a salesman are so phenomenal, I didn't even ask him to buy the pencil. On an instinctive level, he felt compelled to trade with me. Come on, Dad. There's a line between exaggeration and outright lying. What are you, the network censor? An enemy of free speech? My son, the communist. I'm not a commie. You just have to be careful. There's still false advertising laws on the books. Not for long. That's true. Take it from me, the greatest narrator in the tri-state area. The greatest orator since William Jennings Bryan. Expand your business today the simple way with hyperbole. Yes, the pieces all come together now to form a picture. The sailor stood here waiting for his ship to come in. His bloated nemesis sees him alone on the pier and takes his chance to knock the man senseless, possibly with the use of a belaying pin or an oar, uh, maybe a hefty piece of flotsam. Is it flotsam or jetsam? So, just a mugging? You think the victim had something worth stealing? Certainly. Bluto wanted the treasure. What treasure? The sea hag's treasure buried on Plunder Island. I don't understand. You think the dead sailor was holding some treasure, or he let it slip that he had a treasure map? I think the dead sailor is a treasure map. Or, more precisely, his tattoos form a map. That seems like a stretch. It's a common technique, although generally the map is tattooed on a child who doesn't realize its significance. Or, even if the map is tattooed on an adult, he might have been incapacitated while the ink was involuntarily jabbed under his skin. He might have no idea that it represents a map. None of these look like islands or coordinates. There's just the two anchors on his forearms, a battleship on his scrawny bicep that probably looks cool if he flexes it, and the portrait of a senorita in a sombrero covering his back. You think the line along the brim of the sombrero represents the path to the island? Something like that? No, the significant image is the one on the outside of his left bicep. A mermaid with a dagger in her teeth. Notice the ribbon across the mermaid's tail that says, Mudder. The pommel of the dagger has the letter N in it. That probably indicates the dagger points due north. Was his mother the sea hag? No, no. Mudder is a term used by off-road enthusiasts. He probably drives one of those special overland vehicles. A jeep? Certainly not. That's a made-up word. More likely, it's a kegress track fitted over the rear wheels of a standard automobile, turning it into what's known as a half-track. 
Maybe he drives that through a swamp, the kind of place a sea hag would live. Precisely. Now you're seeing the clues as I do. In fact, each tattoo may represent a separate island. His whole body might be a map of an archipelago. And you think this Blutus guy conked him and pulled his shirt off so he could decode the tattoos as a treasure map? Yes. Only someone with a mind as wicked as Bluto's could do such a thing. I certainly wouldn't remove a defenseless man's shirt after feeding him tainted spinach. Or, you know, conking him out, as you say. Even if he was someone to whom I owed a considerable sum of money. For example, if I had an insatiable appetite for hamburgers, yet no means to pay... This plunder island that the tattoos supposedly point to, it can't be very close to Parabellum City. We're hundreds of miles from any seacoast. All the rivers and lakes in the tri-state area are mapped and explored. It stands to reason that if the sea hag was hiding valuables, she might misdirect potential looters by calling it an island when the place is actually a city block or a particular building. For example, the Plunder Building, named after G. Hamilton Plunder, one of Parabellum City's founding gunsmiths. Wow, that does make sense. I've toured that building dozens of times, but they never let people look around the fourth floor. And this sailor has four tattoos. No, there's five. One on his back, two on his biceps, and two on his forearms. If you only count his arms, he has four tattoos. You're right, that's too much of a coincidence. Let's go get that loot. I mean, Bruto is probably trying to get his hands on the treasure right now. We can bring him to justice and maybe get some reward money for recovering the stolen treasure. Yes, quite. Although it would be easy to collect more money than just the reward, if you see what I mean. Uh, Are you all right? That wasn't me. Uh, I got bad news for you guys. I ain't dead. He's alive. What about the treasure? Oh, yeah. Look, you gonna be okay, mister? We were just getting ready to head out. Someone will probably be around to help you in a minute or two, I guess. Ziljan, how'd you let this mug feed you all them lies? He's been pestering me for years with this stupid tattoo map theory of his. My tattoos is just tattoos. There's no map. There's no evildoer named Bluto for you to capture. There's no treasure? He was really convincing. Maybe you didn't realize the secret meaning of the tattoos. This guy had you believe in a human being can get hit in the face with a skillet and only the skillet changes shape. What a goon. He's a sculptor. He crafted that cast iron pan. Yeah, I guess that's more plausible. Come on, Wellington, what kind of huckster are you? No, it's all true. Are you going to execute me now? I'm taking you to jail where you belong. I would gladly pay a bail bondsman Tuesday for Get walking, you. Finally, somebody decoded these stupid tattoos. First thing I'll do with the treasure is get them anchors lasered off me arms. Then I'll get me chin fixed. No, first thing is I'll get Olive into treatment. Uh, then a college fund for the kid. I could finally afford one of them Meerschaum pipes. The Ink-Stained Corpse, episode 71 of This Gun in My Hand, was permanently drawn under your skin by Rob Northrup. This episode and all others are available on YouTube with automatically generated closed captions of dialogue. Visit thisgunninmyhand.blogspot.com for credits, show notes, information on how to subscribe, and to buy my books such as Little Heist in the Big Woods and Other Revisionist Atrocities. What points me on the path to treasure? This Gun in My Hand.